the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. It's very good to be home after seven long days away. <laughs> I love my home. I love my routine. Uh, and a bless, it was a very blessed time, however. Uh, we were taught on different asks, a- aspects of the priesthood by every other, all the bishops. There wasn't a main speaker at this seminar, but there was all the bishops spoke on different aspects of the priesthood. It was very, very powerful. And thanks be to God that we have such a wonderful metropolitan uh, who is organizing these things and wonder, wonderful bishops who uh, love us, his, their priests, and uh, have a heart to take care of us. It's a very beautiful thing. So I want to encourage you that uh, things are well in the archdiocese. That's a very beautiful thing. So, um, so I wanted to take a look. I was reading through the epistle and the gospel. Just a couple of things that kind of st- st- struck me that I want to speak on. Uh, first, uh, in St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, uh, that there be no dissensions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. That was one thing. The other was um, that, that I do not know whether I baptized anyone. For Christ did not send me to be to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquent wisdom, and lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So that, that as well. And then the beautiful uh, gospel message from St. Matthew about Christ satisfying us with uh, just uh, five loaves and two fish, but not just satisfying us, more than satisfying us. So I want to kind of look at each of those and speak a little bit about them. First, this idea of fleeing dissension and striving for unity. Fleeing dissension and striving for unity. You know, this is very important in the life of the church, that we don't have uh, disagreements that tear us apart. But there's always been dissensions in the church, okay? But there are good dissensions to stand up against. When there's a dissension in the church that's not a part of the truth, we have to stand up and say that's not part of the truth. So let me read this from uh, Ephesians 14, uh, 4, 14. It's very beautiful. That we should not no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness by which they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head that is Christ. So our efforts in the church is to always speak the truth in love. To speak the truth. You know, and this is such a very important thing in our day especially, to speak the truth, but speak it in love. You know, the truth, it's important to us to understand. The truth is not a hammer. It's the grace of God. It's grace. The truth is not an opinion to, be, to win an argument. The truth is medicine to heal. The truth is not a thing, it's a person. It's Christ. 
And the church has been given the blessing, the responsibility to be the pillar and ground of that truth. So we stand for this. It's a, it's a very important thing um, for us to understand how important it is to stand up and speak the truth. The church for 2,000 years has done this and done it very well. So we trust the church. And we, we look at it and say, you know, if we have an opinion that's contrary, we submit it to the church. We let the church handle it and deal with it. It's done this well for 2,000 years. Okay? It's, we don't take that outside of the church and then form an opinion and say, this is the truth. No, the truth is found in, re, in relationship to the church. Because the Lord said the church is the pillar and ground of that truth. Very important to understand this. That's where the authority is. That's where the, the authority of the apostles, authority of Christ is. It's in the church. So we make this, this, this decision to move our, our heart and our mind into this place where the truth dwells and has dwelt well for 2,000 years. Very critical that we see and have faith and comfort in the fact that the truth, there's a place where the truth is. St. Paul says, don't be tossed to and fro by the winds that blow. The truth in Christ resides in the church, and that church, that truth gives grace, that truth gives wisdom, that truth heals, that truth gives freedom. So let me share a story, now that all my serious talk is done. So when we were striving with dissensions to become orthodox. I still don't know how that band of men and women ever made it into the Orthodox Church. It is a miracle. Seriously, a miracle. You should have been there. Many of you were. <laughs> because there were dissensions. Every time we came up with an idea or uh, something the church was doing, we would discuss it. And there were 25 men around this table, so guess how many opinions we had about that subject? 26. Yeah, that's right, because somebody changed their mind in the middle of the discussion. So every time, for months and months, years, we did this. It was a beautiful thing because the men were very committed to each other. And uh, so it was, it was very, very good in that way. Uh, but it was very hard to come to any kind of decision about what we were going to do, even what we were going to believe. So Father Jack's part, God rest his soul, said this, and it, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you the, the response. He said, you know, men, when we find something the church has always believed, and always done, why don't we just believe it and do it? For 2,000 years, the church has done this and believed this. Why don't we just do this and believe this? You know what happened? Quiet and freedom and grace ruled the room. Ruled the room. Okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to trust the church. Here's what happened. Here's the mess they got us into. No, this is where we are, and that's why we're there, because we said 
we're going to do and believe what the church does and believes. And if we have a question and we need to understand why that happens, it's important not to just do it blindly, but to understand why it's done, how it's done. And those things are important to us, but that is that why we, have, we are who we are, and that's why the church has done what it's done for 2,000 years and done it well. So, that. Secondly, uh, the thought about we need to preach the gospel with St. Paul's, we need to preach the gospel not with eloquent words. So what's that mean for us? It means the gospel, as Christ kind of summarized it, is to love God and love neighbor. And the beauty of, our, of the gospel for us and our life is that the story that we have is the story of salvation. It's the story where Christ, has, the Father, has sent the Son to save the world, to redeem the world, to redeem us. He bore the sins of mankind and he redeemed us and redeemed this world. It's the epic story. It belongs to us. Thanks be to God. We need to be grateful for this. But this is, this is the story, the epic story of mankind. You know, it's interesting. His ministry lasted how long on earth? Just three years. Three years. In a small piece of the world. Obscure in many ways. And he wasn't, he didn't speak to great crowds. He had great crowds, but not crowds like we would think. He changed the world. He, he came to not just change the world, he came to heal the world, to heal mankind. And guess who gets to participate in that healing? You are co-healers, co-redeemers of this world. That's our story. That's what we hold to. It's so important for us to see this. Christ came to heal, and he gave us, in unity with him, the ability to be part of that healing. You're healers. You're redeemers of this world. We need to say, this is a powerful thing for me. This is a great story. This is the story that heals mankind. We need to understand how important and powerful that is for us. I want to share with you just a little story about that from um, our experience on Monday nights at St. Michael's and Isla Vista and Thursday nights, or Thursday afternoons here at the Showers of Blessing. You know, we do a beautiful uh, meal for, um, for our folks that are poor and needy. Many are without homes. I want to say something here. Um, this is a little thing that's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, it, I, I don't like the term feeding feeding the poor. We, we, give, we don't feed them, we give them a meal. Feeding sounds to me like you're feeding cattle. Like, here's cattle. Don't feed them. We feed them. No, we give them a meal. Okay? It's different. It's a different thing. Okay? And we're not feeding them, we're giving them a meal. And we're sitting down with them. And eating with them. Standing next to them. They're us and we're them, right? Very important. That's my little commercial on the side for that, sorry. But the important thing here is that when we're doing that, we're sharing Christ, and they know this. They know we're not there just because uh, 
this is a good idea. Okay? They know we're there because we are sharing Christ with them. We're loving them. We're taking care of them. We're doing all we can to be with them. And them with us. I will share with you something that, that there's... You know, when Kevin passed away... Uh, you know, we were very, we, I'm very, we are very close with several of those folks. They still hug me every time I see them with the Kevin hug, I call it, the Kevin hug. Okay. Clyde, Clydesdale in Isla Vista is one of my favorite people. He hugs me and I feel that hug. Candy out here is the sweetest, one of the sweetest women on the planet. Gives me the Kevin hug all the time. I get as much from them, maybe more, than I ever could give to them. So we need to understand that this life is to preach the gospel. That's preaching the gospel. St. Seraphim, we need to preach the gospel, and sometimes we need to use words. Did you hear that? We need to preach the gospel, and sometimes we need to use words. We need to be Christ's to the community, right? Just be Christ's out to the community. Okay? Important. The second, the third thing uh, is to bear the cross, St. Paul says, that we don't want to, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Um, so a night, one of the bishops gave this, uh, this beautiful talk, Bishop Nicholas, um, on the priesthood. And he said, the role of the priest is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortless. <laughs> My role is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Do you like that? <laughs> You're not laughing very loud. Ooh, am I comfortable? Is he going to afflict me? The way I look at this is that how we bear our afflictions is our salvation. How we bear our struggle is our salvation. How we bear and do, do in the things that are difficult, that's our salvation. Our salvation isn't when things are going well. Remember one time Mother Victoria said, you know, things are going very well at the monastery, Father. I'm very nervous. I said, why? Because they're going very well. <laughs> There's, how do we deal with affliction? How do we handle it? This is, this is the lot. If we look at Christ, we are to be followers of Christ, right? Do we follow Christ? Yes. What did he do? He bore affliction well. And what did it get him? Death and Resurrection. How do you get to that joy of the resurrection? Through bearing your afflictions well. That's how you get there. It's important that we don't kind of, oh, poor me, or all oh, this struggle in my life. No, we bear it well in Christ and find resurrection and joy. So this is my time to speak of my beloved son Kevin because I watched him do this very thing I would say Kevin and Angel both 
beautiful people. Okay? This is, this is that they took what was in front of them and bore it well. Courage, strength, and they found this salvation in this. I just want to share how important it is to take what you have that's difficult and bear it well. Christ is with you there. That's where you find him most intimately, is in your struggle, is in the, in the difficulty. Okay, this is the important thing for us to know and understand, to bear our afflictions well in Christ, with Christ. So important to see and understand how, how that is for us. So, if we do these things, this is the result. Like Christ feeding the 5,000, hungry, and he fed them, and gave them uh, what they needed to have and to understand that, that, that they, were, they were even more than satisfied. So let me read this in conclusion. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, you be, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now listen to this. These are two great adverbs, back to back. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So he, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could do, what we could ask or think. This is our Lord, beloved. This is our God. Who, No matter where, what our circumstances, where we are in life, he is working out things exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ask or think. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.